Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It was the mid to late 80s when as the first part of my full-time working career I was taught the basics of how to write a press release. Now, everybody will laugh at this, it probably seems ancient, but the rule at that stage was what, when, where, why, whom. So let's go back to basics, shall we? What? Well, it's the World Cup in Qatar 2022 and it's Spain training. It's the night before Morocco. We're off on the road to Morocco. If you haven't watched Bing and Bob and Dorothy Lemur on the road movies, then begin with the road to Morocco. Great. Where? <clears throat> We're back at Qatar University. No classrooms. No test tubes, no lecturers, no professors. Just an absolutely stunning, green, well-cut, well-watered football pitch in front of us under an almost full moon. You're hearing the change in the audio because I'm looking upwards, creaking my neck. It's a beautiful 95% full moon tonight. Why? Well, why the hell not? <laughs> um, who? Spain training. Um, this is potentially... The night before Luis Enrique's last ever game in charge of La Roja. Why do I say that? I say that because he is out of contract. He, at the moment, and his representatives have shown no real appetite for talking to the Federation about a renewed contract. But people, this is Luis Enrique Martinez. Don't ever take indications as a, for granted. <laughs> he may come back after the World Cup, whether it ends tomorrow night in the Education Stadium or on the 18th in Al Khalifa, having won the World Cup. He may come back and say to the Federation, you betcha, baby, I'm ready for more. He might, but it's not my impression that that's what's going to happen. I asked him earlier today about, please don't make this... I said to him, look, during your reign... Um, which was truncated slightly by the deeply, deeply sad death of his daughter, Jana. During his reign, uh, an away win in England, an away uh, win in Italy, a 6-0 thrashing of Croatia, a 6-0 thrashing of Germany. The first competitive win in Portugal against the Portuguese since 1934. Semi-final of the Eurocopa, European Championship, where they outplayed the eventual winners, distinctly outplayed them, Italy. A win in the semi-final against Italy in Italy of the Nations League. And qualification for that final and then a qualification for the final four of the Nations League again later this season. 
that's not a bad record. Now, you can throw in little bumps, uh, defeat to Sweden, a defeat to Switzerland, but qualification all the time, um, a really distinct um, form of playing, a really identifiable philosophy, which lots of people are in love with. So, far and beyond whether Spain would go out against Morocco tomorrow and have people saying, well, it's really disappointing because I like the way they play. I genuinely don't want this to be our end, our little team um, of four people. I don't want it to be the end of our World Cup. I'm here to win. I hate losing. Um, can I say I want us to win? Um, but I don't want it to be the end of Luis Enrique's reign with Spain. Would there be a vast turnover of players? No, probably not. Would there be a coach who comes in who's got you know firm, able hands? De La Fuente, the under-21 coach, I think would be the most likely. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think it's feasible that there can be some nice continuity. But he's pretty special. Let me give you an episode. And it's an episode which pertains to tomorrow's match. It won't have any influence whatsoever on who wins tomorrow's match. But in 2008, just as Spain began their winning cycle of tournaments in the Euro, held in Austria and... Switzerland, Luis Enrique had only just completed a madness. He and his little team ran 250 kilometres across the part of the Sahara Desert which goes through southern Morocco. Yeah, there you are. There's the key word. It's one of those extraordinary feats that certain human beings think they must do because they exist. It began, I don't know, 15 years earlier when a single, I think American, decided that he could take on the Sahara Desert. And he did, successfully. And slowly it became a thing. To the extent that it's called the Mar Marathon de Sable, which is effectively the, the sand marathon, I suppose. Marathon de las Arenas in Espanol. What happens is that you run the equivalent of six consecutive marathons across the Sahara Desert. In, as Luis Enrique once explained to me, 40, anything up to 45... <clears throat> 45? Did you catch that? 45 degrees heat during the day and 15 degrees heat at night. In other words, nippy min, a cold. You sleep, as does every competitor, in open-sided tents. You have to carry, you have to be, it's, it's self-sufficient, is how Luis Enrique described it to me. So in other words, on your back, on your back as you're having to run 250 kilometres across six days, you carry 35 kilograms of materials. Principally, uh, clothes, your tent, food, salt tablets, and some water, but the organisers will deliver water to you, not nearly as much as you want or you need, but they will deliver some to you. Salt tablets are to try and avoid serious damage to your health because of how much liquid you, you sweat out, how, how depleted the stores of salt in your body can be. The tests obviously go beyond the distance or the heat. There's the dodgy terrain, there was a record number of withdrawals in the 2006 edition, which was 
140 people didn't make it, stopped altogether or couldn't beat the six-day cut. Reese Enrique did finish it. Of course he did. What are you talking about? Pay attention in the back. Because he's fucking extraordinary. Literally extraordinary. Yeah, he's done Ironman and ultramarathons and other conditions. But this one in Morocco um, strikes me as having been a real test of every part of his fundament. From physical to mental to spiritual. He once told me, his expression was that when he got halfway through, three days in, the sand was so fine, so thin, that it could get into anything. No matter how you strap things up, it would be in your shoes, under your socks. And he said it was like, kind of like acid. It, it would strip away the skin from your feet to the extent that three days in, he was not running or even walking, he was hobbling trying to hobble at a speed that could complete 84 kilometres in the last three days. And I remember asking him, how, how the fuck did you do that? And he said, my strategy was not to moan, because you want to moan. And I tried to chip off kilometre after kilometre without moaning. And saying to myself that if I moaned, the pain would be passed on to my kids. And no father wants that. So on he struggled, limping home, 84 kilometres in the remaining three days, stoically saying nothing and asking himself repeatedly what the hell he was there for. But he did it. He said that one of the most amazing things to him about the Moroccan desert, that part of the Sahara, was that you would go 25 kilometres without having seen not only... Uh, uh, what's a poblacion, a village or a, or a little groupings without even seeing one home, one habitation and yet out of the blue there'll be a, a group of kids there maybe encouraging you, trying to help you on, giving you a date <clears throat> not that kind of date, a date and he couldn't understand it and because it was in the middle of the desert he didn't have a chance to go back and explain it and all of this I think, in my opinion, comes into play because football tournaments are about stuff beyond the matches. They're a test of endurance, they're a test of whether you can handle the boredom, whether you can handle the isolation from your family, how much you're willing to sacrifice, how long you can stay uh, concentrated and aggressive for. And while I'm quite clear, that Spain can and should beat Morocco. I'm crystal clear that they might go out. They've got the quality to go to the final of this tournament. Again, I'm sure of that. I'm equally sure that the mood is, is hot, that there's nobody who's kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't really mind it if we went home. I've seen players in tournaments, particularly after 2012, where... I was clear through their body language or what others were saying about them that deep down, yeah, they would, they would happily go home. It's, it's not like that here. Many of them have had kids or um, girlfriends, wives, parents out to visit them on two occasions now. That helps. That, that smashes the routine that if you're homesick or lonely, particularly if you're a kid, 18, 19, 20... <laughs> sometimes the excitement disappears if you're not playing like Jeremy Pino kid 
over here in this strange environment, far from home, having loved ones, having other spiners, having community, all of that definitely does help. So what I am worried about is their intensity. I look at Spain and it, it baffles me and angers me that in 2010, those of you who either followed what I was writing or the broadcasts we made or who subsequently read the book that Backpage published called La Roja and their treble triumph. In 2010 and in 2012, I was furious and, and expressed myself so that so many half-wits talked about Spain being boring or sterile when what was happening repeatedly was teams did not try to take them on. There were a couple of exceptions in tournaments. I'm leaving 2008 out of it because at that stage there was no criticism about Spain's ability to main possess, maintain possession, ability to drag teams around. And, and at that stage, sides weren't defending against them because people at that stage thought that Spain were gettable. So, um, in 2010 and 2012, team after team, apart from Germany in the semi-final of the World Cup, apart from Italy in the final of the Euro, teams decided that bank defence, that kicking them, that knocking them over, that surrendering possession and, and getting bodies behind the ball and then trying to break was the way to defeat Spain. Which made some of the games frustrating to watch, but at no stage said anything about how Spain wanted to play, other than the fact that you could see that Torres and Villa and flipping Jesus Navas and Cesc Fabregas and Pique and Puyol and Ramos and Iniesta and Xabi Alonso and Xavi and everybody wanted to play, they wanted to show. And so many in the media, so many fans were like, oh, well, Spain is 1-0 again. Grow up, start watching properly, or as I suggested then, have your TV licence and radio licence taken away. Yet, at the moment, because Spain are imperfect and try to play a really daring, forward-passing, attacking, quite risk-accepting brand of football, there's been this deluge of love, particularly from the UK, I have to say, for them. In Spain, there's a lot of pride from the media, from the fans, in the the, the idea, the philosophy, the way that Luis Enrique asks his team to play. And right from the start in these broadcasts, I've been saying to you, he said, we will not die of fear. We, if, we, if, we, if we're sent home... If we trip up, it'll be because of ambition. We'll play risk-accepting football. We'll, we'll be atrevido, daring. We'll go after teams. I want them to attack. I want my boys to attack. I want them to be ambitious. I want them to pressurise the other team. All of these are true, and all of these are what we've seen them trying to do, except they haven't been succeeding, in my opinion. I, I watched that, as I told you, first half against Japan, and had the life frustrated out of me. And I think we saw, to a degree then, and I think we'll see on Tuesday night from Morocco, a template which was really well executed and demonstrated by Switzerland. In September, Switzerland came to Spain in the Nations League group, having to win to avoid relegation, and they did so, and they bullied Spain. It was very clever. They were significantly bigger than Luis Enrique's side. They played the referee a little bit. It wasn't thuggish, but they were like... We will physically impose on you every moment that we possibly can, in every jump, in every tackle, in every possible dead ball situation. 
we will get after you and we will ask the referee a question. They were very, very good at that. They pressed the life out of Spain and because this is not a Spain side that moves the ball as well as when they had Capdevila and Xavi and Iniesta and Busquets at his peak and Pique at his peak, Ramos, etc. Therefore, um, teams that are daring and really give Spain a chasing can catch them on a night when they look congested and it isn't really happening. Switzerland did that. Also, Spain defended atrociously at two set pieces. And for my taste, most sides who think they're limited and can't outplay Spain will now attack them in that manner. Now, I'm not being derogatory in any way by putting uh, Morocco in that bracket because for my taste in central midfield, at full back and in goals, they have three players who could easily get into um, the, the Spain side. Also, the World Cup is about team unity. It's about the, the maximum number of players being informed, being aggressive at the right time, having energetic athleticism and being able to say, not just we want this to be our night, but this is our You probably can't hear it in the background. There's increased noise because there are journalists all around shouting up and down to each other. You, you can't see the beautiful sight of what looks like about 20, a school of whales under the pitch, spouting the water up in the air. It's been absolutely glorious to look at. It's stopping now. That hiss that you're hearing is stopping now. And two or three Spain players, they're far away from me again, so I can only tell you that I can guarantee... One of them is Balde, one of them is Ansu, the third one is standing right in a fountain of water so I can't see who it is. They're the only three out this time, early ahead of what is 7.30 training here at Qatar University. Pitch number one if you ever happen to be playing a friendly here. Um, I don't know, Blytheswood Spartans against Qatar University B. It's pitch number one you want to be asking for. At any rate, training is coming and to, to take you to the bridge, I'm going to feed back to some of the listeners who've been feeding back to me. One of whom is the mighty uh, Chris Hennigan. Chris, thank you very much. I hope this is a companion piece to the book La Roja and hope it does pan out that way. Listeners, Chris says, can I ask if the in-game switch-off shown in parts against Germany and even more evidently and glaringly against Japan is something the camp recognise even discreetly and appear from the sessions acutely aware of in the need to rectify? Chris, that's part of my worry. I, I, I think not. I think Luis Enrique genuinely believes that there's very little separating these performances that his team has given and, and powerful wins. In the press conference today, he talked a lot about the least thing I'm worried about is the result. The biggest thing I'm worried about is the performance, the attitude and the image we give. And he said, apart from 15 minutes against Japan, the image we've given off across this World Cup is exactly what I asked for. So ultimately, Chris, your answer will come from the 11 he picks um, on Tuesday night. And... Again, in the press conference today at the International Broadcasting Centre, Luis Enrique made it crystal clear that this last training session isn't uh, for refining small touches. There are places at stake. Little update, 
by the time you listen to this, I could have been proven wrong, but it looked to me as if Cesar Aspilicueta, who I talked to in the aftermath of the defeat to Japan and was limping really ostensibly, really evidently, over the last couple of days, he's looked ready. Yesterday, he was in a flipping tremendous mood, trying to lob the goalkeeper, uh, nutmegging one of the kit men, <laughs> walking off the pitch in his bare feet, but thrashing the ball into the net. He's come out early now, actually, Cesar Aspilicueta. The answer, Chris, is that this is a session where the coach is going to say, boys, there are places up for grabs. There's a chance that one or two show, if you know what I mean, and, and push their way into the team. But I think, I genuinely strongly believe that the coach mistook the need for the first 11 to play against Japan. It's funny because the players have subsequently said, Gavi actually said the coach warned us that the most difficult game in our group was Japan. So why Pau Torres? Why Balde? I, I didn't quite get it. Whether they um, make amends, Chris, I think they have to. And it's that intensity. Um, one of the things Lucien Ricci said clearly is that the strikers will almost always be his first change. And he doesn't expect any starting striker to give him much more than an hour, but to be absolutely dead on their feet, flat out by the time they come off. Is that something that I buy into completely? Again, Chris, I'm not quite sure. Um, Gustavo Bagatini, who is desperate to see Brazil doing well, and, and I think probably will, it's Brazil's South Korea later on tonight, for example, First of all, ask me, have I found any good karaoke bars yet? Yes, obviously, Gustavo, obviously I have. The Luna uh, karaoke bar is open 24 hours, serves dim sum, unfortunately isn't licensed, but it's in the Al Sad neighbourhood where Xavi's team came from. So, yes, we have debuted there. Gustavo makes the point that Zayesh and, and Ashraf can be an overload down Morocco's right-hand side, and Gustavo asks... Will there be special provision to help support Jordi Alba? And the truth is that, and here I support Luis Enrique, Zayas is a very clever player. And in their last match against Canada, it was clear that one of the founding tactics was give the ball to Zayas, give it to him again, and give it to him again now. Because he can play. But there's a reason that he's been so absent in the Chelsea lineups. There's a reason that the only time he started a game at Southampton. Chelsea lost and he looked poor that day. This is a moment for him to shine. He is a player who can cut Spain open. That's not in doubt. But what I think, Gustavo, is that um, Rich Enrique will adopt the same attitude as he did against Germany, which is give them problems. Don't double up. Don't ask somebody to be, get, be bodyguarding Jordi Alba all the time. Overload Spain's left and, and make those two. Make Ashraf turn make Zayesh look lazy. That, that's what his intentions will be, no matter who plays in front of Jordi Alba. And personally, I wish it were Ansu Fati. I personally think it's his moment. I think he should be starting. And I think that he's the type of player with the attitude, the innate finishing power and the pace to open a game. There you are. Let's see. So, Gustavo, I think we're going to see more of the Lucho Martinez method in terms of how to cope with Morocco's right side. We Bobby Ryan, what do I make of Luis Enrique and his increased and at times in form of social media use? It's one of those things, Roberto, whereby 
clearly, he's a very polemic person. There are many people who would like to see his face flat in the mud or in custard. Call it what you want. So if Spain lose tomorrow night and go out, it will be regarded as a flop. And given the talent in this squad, fairly so. But if they go out at a time when he's been doing streaming and Twitch every night, there will, people who, there will be people who take advantage, Robert, and say, ah, look, that means he wasn't doing his full job or blah, blah, blah. Some managers aren't fit for that. Some managers would make a fool of themselves. One of the things that everybody needs to realise is that when you're in a, a team camp for three, four, five, I've seen it, seven weeks, there are a lot of dead hours. There is a lot of time where you can't afford to become stale, bored, sad, lonely, blah, blah, blah. Everybody chooses their own way. I know that Koke was watching a documentary on Tom Brady, um, the unfortunately political, exceptionally talented NFL quarterback. But everybody's got to do their thing. Now, one, do I think that Luis Enrique, by doing his stream on Twitch, probably takes a little bit of the focus away from the players? Yes. Are they useful and informative? Yes. The, do they stick two fingers up at the parts of the press who want to be breaking stories that are false or making up stuff or looking for polemic? Yes, I think they do. Because if anybody wants to know about Lucien Ricci, all they need to do is tune in. I think also every penny that he makes from it goes to charity. So, Roberto, for my taste, um, he's a character. His work is done during the day. They've had one double session. So it's not as if he's concentrating on streaming when he should be doing something else. For my taste, in his case, Robert, it's a good thing. Mr. G. Harding. <laughs> I'm glad you got the Golden Cleric reference. Yeah, hoping to see them pitted against Brazil in the quarterfinal. Well, look, I hope to see them in the quarterfinal, and I hope to see them pitted against Portugal rather than Switzerland, who duffed them up in... Where the hell did I go and see them? It was in Zaragoza. I think it was in the Romareda where I saw Switzerland duff up Spain. And having watched what Switzerland did to Serbia recently, I think it'll be Switzerland that go through against Portugal, but I'd much rather it was Spain-Portugal. Just so long as we get there, Gaz. I hope you see Brazil at some stage if you're coming out. Are you coming out? Yeah, you are. You're coming out next week. Dude, just hope you have a great game. And you know where the karaoke is now? Remember, were you listening earlier? I did make it clear. Finally, Liam McLaughlin. Um, Liam thought I was I had an interesting take. I don't know if that's a, a euphemism for total bollocks. I disagreed with every word, or you liked it. You pick up on the same thing as me. Yeah, I agree. I, I still think Spain in, in patches have looked exciting, adventurous, ambitious, <sighs> but a little bit sloppy. That's what I think, a bit sloppy. And you make the same point as I do. I, I spoke to Pedri earlier today. I enjoyed it. He looks happy as a kid at Christmas. Do I think we've seen the best of Pedri? No. And you use the phrase, you think he's a bit leggy. Well, I understand that. I've seen the ball bobble off him in moments where it might not have been utterly crucial, but it's left him and others having to chase to win the ball back. Something they've done excellently, but in the split second things that make a difference in big matches like this, having him control on the half turn and open space and go can make all the difference as to whether Ferran Torres or... Ansu or Alvaro Morata or even Sarabia get a goal chance or a goal. So I, I haven't seen, in my eyes, Pedri is best in this tournament. I think it makes a gigantic difference. 
you can hear that, yeah, it's Groundhog Day for you because I'm sitting in the same seat. They're around the centre circle. There are cameras and media all around me from now, a wider variety of countries. Um, in the middle, uh, David Raya of Brentford, Carlos Soler of Paris Saint-Germain, and Paulo Sarabia of Sporting Lisbon again, I think, is it? Or is he back at PSG? He might be back at PSG. We're in the middle, and they didn't manage to get the ball. So now it's Gavi, Olmo and Ferran Torres scooting about while the entire rest of the squad use the centre circle to make them chase. And they are chasing. Ale, ale, ale. You can hear the applause there. Everybody's delighted because the chasers didn't get the ball and they've got to go again. There you have it, folks. I don't know if we... Did I say it again? I don't know if Spain are going through. What baffles me is that in 2008, I was crystal clear. Crystal clear from game one, Spain could and should win. In 2010, even after the Switzerland game, I never for a second lost the faith. I saw a winning mentality, a bunch that were tough, a real dirty dozen mentality. 2012, still more so. I really thought, even in the brutal, torrid night in Donetsk, uh, where it was nil-nil with Portugal after extra time and then penalties, I believed. Could it be extra time and penalties tomorrow against Morocco? I think that's not unfair. I think if you look at Morocco's vast run of good results um, in friendlies, if you look at the way in which they competed in the Cup of Nations, which was out in extra time against Egypt, who were eventual winners, if you look at how they've coped with the World Cup so far, I think they're stubborn. I think they're a team. I think they're well coached by a man who did play for Russian Santander in La Liga but just missed. He began in 2004-05, played Barca in his first game in La Liga, but Luis Enrique had just left by about 10 months, um, retired at that stage, so they've never faced each other, I think, as coach or as players. And they carry threat. So... At the moment, what you can hear in the background is a team in whom I've still got faith, led by a man who ran across the southern half of Morocco in 2008, saying to himself, I can do this. I'm not going to be beaten. A message that I'd like to hear all of his players saying to themselves from tonight onwards until the final whistle sees them through to the quarterfinal. If they don't have this, nothing will defeat me. I can do this. I'm not going home mentality, then they might be. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.